couldn't help but notice that you did not uh, answer my question on if you would uh, thump your dick into Hulk Hogan's beautiful pussy. <laughs> I told you that you're the reason we can't have nice things on that thread. Well, <laughs> when, I, when I post beautiful pictures of Mandy Rose and you turn them into things where I have to envision her having Hulk Hogan's penis. I don't know what's wrong with you that that's what you I post a beautiful picture of Mandy Rose. Oh, God, excuse me. That makes it better. And you're immediate in as you want to attach Seth Rollins dick to her. Yeah, well, and Charlotte's messed up titties. <sighs> only, Although, you would, only you would look at perfection and go, yeah, I can fuck that up pretty good. Yeah. I just want to watch the world burn. Apparently. <laughs> burn it down! That's right. Theme song! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening! Please welcome your host for today... Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Oh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. Ladies and gentlemen, it is your main event, the premiere show of the Beefcase feed. That is right. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, as almost always, Troy. And with me today, if you couldn't guess from the intro, Jason's here. To be fair, I don't really bother changing the intro anymore, because it's typically just us, and when other people show up, they tell us like five minutes beforehand, so I don't have time to edit it, so fuck them. That's true. That's true. The only one who gets one is Sal, because I already have one in a can for him. So There you go. There you go. All right. Well, as long as you do them in a can, you're okay. Okay. Nobody gets pregnant that way. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Life uh, finds a way. Yeah, <clears throat> fair enough. Da, na, na, na. No, sorry. I don't want to get sued today. All right. <laughs> we go from the perfect glistening chest to the perfect 10. The perfect 10? A 10! A 10! A fucking 10! That was a, a, a Malcolm reference to Jurassic Park. Uh, never mind. Doesn't matter. Like his jaw, UFC career and ego, Punk's modern day record has been broken. So I, right. I, are we rolling both topics into this? Because there's basically two topics here, and you hey. fucking know that I've got to touch on CM Punk's <laughs> UFC fight this past weekend. Yes, which is why we're going to front load it by talking about his modern day record of WWE champion because that's not as important. I don't give a fuck about that record. I want to talk about what an asshole he is. That's why we're doing it first. Then I'm letting you talk about his UFC fights. But you said front loaded as if there's anything that's like fucking. We all knew as soon as Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, this was the reason they wanted to erase fucking Punk from the record books. It's fucking accomplished. Yes, Punk held the title. And defended it with much more frequency than Lesnar, et cetera, et cetera. Now can I talk about what an asshole he is? 
The only thing I will say is that everyone everyone likes to throw out that like Punk defended it a hundred and sometimes it's like yeah, but you know what? I also go with uh, quality over quantity, and a lot of those Punk defenses were like random matches on Raw that he just defended the belt against some fucking moron, or a match that ended in DQ so he could retain the title. So I mean, and, you're talking about a lot of Alberto matches, a lot yeah. of fucking um, The Rock matches. Don't mm-hmm. please don't put me in the position to fucking defend CM Punk. Okay, that's I'm not comfortable yeah. there. It's no, not I'm, where I live. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that you know every, everyone knows what a shit show the the Brock Lesnar title championship reign has been. So you know, trying to to defend it, you know, against Punk's record and trying to say, oh, Punk did so much better like that. It's like, yeah, but if you if you if you hear it from his mouth, he wasn't a top guy. So his 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 reign doesn't mean anything because he wasn't he wasn't the top guy so yeah so obviously brock lesnar holds a modern day record because nobody's touching bruno san martino's record and nobody ever wants to have anybody touch bruno san martino's record because that would be boring wait till wait till vince gets that belt on roman i'm just saying that's true um but yeah so moving right along we did have ufc 225 the hopefully and most likely final time that CM Punk steps into the octagon with Joe Rogan announcing. And now tell me how you felt about CM Punk's second UFC match. I can tell you that by the end of it, I was rock hard because, well, I shouldn't say that. Okay, so here's the thing. I am glad he got the shit kicked out of him again. I'm sort of sad that it's the end of his UFC run because I won't get to see him get the shit kicked out of himself again. Um, but it wasn't even a good fight. Like, at least when, when he got choked out or tapped out by Mickey Gall, like, it was an entertaining fight. It was like, you could literally see he got his ass kicked. Gall killed him. It was embarrassing. And then you go to this fight, and he's out there, and Mike, was it Mike Jackson? Mark, I don't even fucking remember the guy's name. Um, it's Mark. Mark Jackson. No, he was the, he was the basketball player. It was Mike Jackson. I want to say Mike. Anyway, I'm calling him Mike Jackson for purposes of this fucking recording. Anyway, so this dude looked like he could have finished that fight 50 fucking times. There were times when he's just on top of Punk, and he's just punching him, and he's not even looking at him. And he's just slow punching him. And it almost looked like, you know, when, when a guy has a big brother, and his big brother's sort of picking on him, and he just sits on top of him and just kind of sort of slaps him in the head, and like, you can't get, you can't do anything about it. This guy was not trying to win the fight, so much so that Dana White really ripped into him after the post-fight call, said he was never going to fight in the UFC again, that he looked like an asshole out there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, I, I mean, I think Joe Rogan on his podcast said it best, like, Punk just looked flat-out untalented in his UFC fights. He doesn't have a talent for this. He may have the drive and the will to do it, but he doesn't have the talent to do it. He doesn't have the skill to do it. And, you know, again, find me at the strange position of making something in the defense of CM Punk, but that's not an easy sport to jump into at this late stage in your life like he tried to do it. Um, But I did very much enjoy watching him get the shit kicked out of him. Not as much, perhaps, as WWE announcer Corey Graves enjoyed watching CM Punk get the shit kicked out of him, but I'm sure you can cover that part, Trey. Well, I don't believe that uh, uh, that Graves enjoyed watching him get the shit kicked out of him. I think that I disagree. That... I read those tweets. 
So um, anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, after after Punk got the shit kicked out of him, Corey Graves took to Twitter, which he op- <laughs> which he often does, and proceeded to start. Do you think he was drunk tweeting? No, I think I think he was literally fuming watching this match. See, I could literally see him sitting there watching watching the UFC fight with a couple beers, getting a little a little toasty, and then grabbing the phone and just going to work. I mean that that may be, but I I do think that he was he was in a bad place watching it because um, as as he had relayed, him and CM Punk were rather close. Um, obviously, you know the two of them are kind of mirror images of each other just appearance wise, and obviously you know they we didn't quite know that they were so were so close, but they apparently they were so much so that Graves said that Punk was the first person that held Graves' child when Graves was was still on the road. Um, and yeah, so his, uh, essentially what it breaks down to is Corey Graves said that, that CM Punk turned his back on everybody that was there for him, which I think that we have, have covered in the past as well. That as soon as I'm pretty as, sure I've covered that ad nauseum. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I think that a lot of us have known so much so to the fact that, you know, I mean, CM Punk and is no longer really friends with Colt Cabana even, um, another person who was there for him. And just because of the fact that Colt was still trying to remain professional, and still was trying to make sure he didn't flame his own fucking career when Punk was leaving. Punk took offense to that. Yeah. You know. So, um, the, you know, obviously we have we have a plethora of different instances where me and you have talked about fuck CM Punk and you know fuck the way that he's treated everybody and you know kind of shitting on the wrestling fans, shitting on the wrestling business, the business that kept him fucking fed and that made him a wanted, millionaire. Made him a millionaire. Introduced him to his wife. Yep. Gave him the platform on which he was able to swindle the UFC out of millions of dollars. Gave him the platform as well to also enter into the world of comic book writing too. Yep. Another one of his his you know of of his ambitions. Gave his He's, wife the platform to become a New York Times best-selling author because I got to tell you, had she mm-hmm. not been the crazy chick on WWE, that book ain't selling shit. No, that, that book wouldn't get written either because nobody would have cared about fucking Miss April. So but, yeah, but so. CM Punk can only choose to focus on the fact that he never main evented a WrestleMania, and that's—I mean—if you listen, go back and listen to the Cabana podcast, and that's really what his major gripe is: is that yeah. he never got the main event spot at WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, welcome to the real fucking world where that shit doesn't get handed out. Right. You know, the, you want to run through the fucking list of people who have never closed the show at WrestleMania? Want to run through the list of people who have never closed a show ever? Right. And, and and you still have 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 them that if you talk to them nowadays, they would be like, "I've had a great career. I'm I'm so happy, you know, and everything like that." You look at guys like, I mean, the fucking Bushwhackers still come on WWE TV when they when they're needed because they love what they do. I'll they do, I'll do you one better, never, Troy. Yeah, Bobby Lashley, guy who's a multiple time world champion, was so over at one point that he was in a, a huge angle with the owner of the fucking company. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, is a legitimate MMA fighter as well. Right. Never main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. And he's back. Yeah. It's we could one go of through th- a list of Hall of Famers who never main evented a WrestleMania. Yeah. Godfather? Never main evented a WrestleMania. Well. Jake on. the Snake Roberts? Never main <laughs> evented a WrestleMania. DDP? Never main evented a WrestleMania. Sting? Never main evented a WrestleMania. Dusty Rhodes? Never main evented a WrestleMania. I could go on and on all fucking day. None of these people took their fucking ball, tucked their little tail between their legs to make fa- do for the fact that they clearly don't have a set of fucking testicles down there, and instead. 
ran home, and then took that opportunity. And again, if you don't want to be a wrestler anymore, that's fine. Don't be a wrestler. But don't take every opportunity to shit all over the fans, the people, the business, and the company that afforded you the fucking lifestyle to which you've become accustomed. That is exactly how, that is exactly why I hate CM Punk so much because you know what i still work in the business and i'm never going to get to main event wrestling i'm never going to get to work on the wwe i'm never going to get to be on a pay-per-view um but i love i love doing this i love being a part of this this means something to me and at some point it meant something to cm punk until cm punk decided that if the show wasn't fucking about him all the time he wanted nothing to do with it and that is why to this day i have and always well responded to any comment about him with fuck CM Punk. You know, you see you see it. I mean, there there are some outliers, obviously, like guys like Virgil. But for the majority of people who, you know, are either former wrestlers or former WWE talent that went to the indies, they talk very highly of their time in WWE, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, you hey, can Virgil will even tell you he got that fuck money. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you, you know, you've got guys like, you know, Spike Dudley was in WWE and he left wrestling and became a fucking cop, but he doesn't uh, speak ill of WWE. He, he, he still he, works shows. He still yeah, does, he does indie still shows. shows. Yeah. I've worked shows with Spike Dudley, so I can tell yeah. you that for a fact. Yeah. He's nice. He's guy. a guy. Yeah. He's a guy who was very happy with his time there and, and got to do something he loved, still continue to do something he loved. And you know, you see other guys who have been have been fired from WWE. Cody Rhodes. They, yeah. Did he Co- take his ball and go home and say fuck Triple H? And I yeah. I know Cody Rhodes never made an event to the WrestleMania, did he? Right. All yeah. he did was take that and turn it into the biggest career of an independent superstar ever. Yeah. And that's where I think he's at right now. I, I legitimately think he's the biggest indie star in America ever. Because Kenny okay. Omega, I think, is a bigger star in Japan than he is in America. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is one of those things where, you know, Punk had the opportunity to make a shit ton of money on the indies. Mm-hmm. And he would have. Because yeah. we know we know ROH would have been forking out all the fucking money. We know yeah. Impact Wrestling would have been firing their staff in order to get him on onto the roster. Impact it Wrestling was... would have put their belt on him before he even debuted on the show. Yeah, exactly. And instead... I mean, literally, they would have announced it on their website. Yeah. They tune in yeah. Thursday. We've given our heavyweight championship to CM Punk. Right. But again, it's a case. It's a case of there's been <clears throat> a lot of other guys who may have may have had a falling out with WWE, but have not turned around and just completely been like. To me, it's it's more along the lines of if you want to stop being a wrestler, that's fine. There's been plenty of dudes who and women who have stopped being wrestlers, Mm -hmm. but are still like you know. I mean, I Candice Michelle is somebody who once she was done with WWE, she stopped being a wrestler, right? And she still speaks highly of wrestling, you know. And she's just like she did her farewell match on the Indies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when she was way way past her prime, but that's okay. Uh, Because I'm not sure she ever had a prime as a wrestler, but yeah. Because the point here is the fact that. When you turn your back on the fans who have have done nothing, nothing but fucking bent over backwards to support you and give you their fucking hard-earned money mm-hmm. and to sit there and say, just fuck them mm-hmm. and fuck wrestling and stuff like that, that's my issue. You want to say fuck WWE? That's fine. Join join the fucking list of people who have had an issue with WWE. Right. But, don't, but don't sit there and fucking make fun of fans, right. you know? And, and you still get... 
And, and that's the other thing with me is over and above every grievance I listed earlier, you just listen to any interaction this guy has with anybody else. He's just a smarmy prick to everybody he seems to talk to. He's He's got a superiority to his tone of everything he says. He just tries to he want he thinks he's the smartest guy in every fucking room he's in. And the problem is he's not. So what happens is he gets offended and acts like everyone else is fucking stupid when he talks to them. And it makes him come off like an even bigger dick than he already is. Yeah. And the problem is is that we still have that that stupid subset of fans who feed his ego by chanting his name on WWE TV. Because I, why why are you fucking chanting CM Punk on WWE TV when he fucking quit on you? Yeah, I, I think at this point it's more or less just a way to try to get at Vince and sort of annoy him more so than it even is a tribute to CM Punk. Now, they're in Chicago this weekend, so expect some heavy doses of the CM Punk chant, especially yeah. in the wake of the lawsuit. Um, yeah. But hopefully it'll happen when they've got one of the few people that's capable of shutting it down. One of the few times... I will uh, say that I'm rooting for Stephanie to be on TV because she seems the most adept at shutting down that CM Punk chant. Although Alexa's gotten pretty good at it, too. Alexa, Stephanie, they're both very good at it. Uh, Paul Heyman was always very good at yep. it as well. Um, I would say if it happens during a Tommaso Ciampa promo, I feel sorry for the crowd because yeah. <laughs> he will also shut that shit down. Uh, Owens yeah. would be another one of those guys that would be yeah. able to take care of that, too. I would think so, yeah. Or Joe. Uh, but yeah. Joe is, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the difference is is that, you know, though, uh, most of those guys that were listed, other than Stephanie, probably aren't going to get the CM Punk treatment. Right. Let's not, so. give, let's not give Ronda Rousey a microphone at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, boy. Because she'd probably be like, yeah, I met him. He was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Which segues so. nicely. Oh, yes, into the <laughs> fact that Ronda made Nia cry. So because of the fact <sighs> that all all Ronda Rousey, Ronda, Ronda Rousey, did you, just, I saw, did you just pull a salad and call her Rowdy Ronda or whatever? I said, well, I was... Ronda Rowdy? Ronda Rousey. I called her Ronda Ronda. Anyways, Ronda... I hear, I hear she's ripe for the picking. She is ripe for the picking. Gross. It's so fucking gross. I mean, I've seen that pussy. It's nice. But <laughs> don't... To have, like, a fucking 80-year-old man or whatever the fuck Vince is at this point, and you can tell he's in the back going, yeah, make her say it again. Ripe for the picking. Uh, yeah, so... Because of the fact that every Ronda Rousey build has to have these fucking sit-down interviews or contract signings because we can't build a match any other way. Which is not her strength. No, we had another fucking sit and talk. And again, at least before, Stephanie knows how to work the mic. Ronda, or Jesus Christ, I'm drunk. Nia Jax does not. Mm. And trying to have Nia Jax carry this with her her fucking mouth, uh uh-uh, not going to happen. Uh, okay, Ronda, I, Ronda, not... Ronda can't even carry Charlotte and drop her correctly. How is she, <laughs> she able to put over this fucking match? To be fair, Charlotte couldn't carry or drop Sasha correctly either. Um, I'm going to say this, though. Of the segments in this build, I thought this was one of the best done, if that makes sense. Um, I thought Ronda was able to sort of portray the badass side of her character much more so than the smiling all-American girl. Um, they showed her have a little physicality, and, and that flying armbar was fucking outstanding. Um, the only pro- I, I have a couple problems with it, large problems with it. The first being, why are we ringing the fucking bell? Why on earth are we doing that? Because that, it's a fucking interview segment. There's no match. 
Yeah, that's you know the the ringing of the bell when people after the match are continuing to fuck up. No, 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 that, this of... was not that because the the ringing of the bell during a fuck segment is like ding 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 ding. This yeah. was ding 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 like the match was over. Like this was a yeah. this was an end of the match ding. So it was, right. whoever the timekeeper is is a fucking moron. Now yeah. I'm sure Vince ripped him a new asshole. Um, my second issue with this is we're coming up on the pay per view. Why the fuck are we not selling the notion of can Ronda make her tap with the armbar? Can she apply the armbar? Like, at one point when they first got into it, she had her locked, but but Nia was blocking it with her power. Mm-hmm. Great. Have them separate there somehow. Like, Ronda never gets it on, and then we're left right. with, the, with the sell of can't she get it on. Instead, she not only got it on leading into the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. but she made her tap as well. So what the fuck is left to anticipate at this match at the pay-per-view? Well, there was nothing left to anticipate anyways because she had a problem in getting Stephanie McMahon locked into an armbar. This is this is Ronda Rousey's <laughs> first singles match on pay-per-view. I think there's a, there was a lot to anticipate of, uh, yeah. on what she could do, and I think they gave away yeah. more than they needed to with this. That's all. Well, yeah, because you could have been like, can can she get her arms around that gigantic meaty ham hock of an arm that Nia Jax has? But then, yeah, you, you talked about it. The power is, you know... That what we want to see is we want to see Nia Jax get locked on armbar and her just deadlift Ronda up, right. you know, and use her power that way. Well, but that's now, the story. Four or five times she gets it, she almost locks it in, but Ronda, but Nia powers out. And if this was the first part of that story, I think you'd have a much more compelling thing going into this match and something else you could use as a storytelling device in the match itself. Right, because now Michael Cole can't yell, can she lock in the armbar? It's can she yet again lock in the armbar or make her tap at this right. time when there's a match going on around it. Yeah, exactly. But, eh. And fuck CM Punk. That's right, because this is, this is far from fucking good. This is far from going to be the worst match of, of this card, but probably not going to be the best either. Yeah. Um, but don't worry, because on Raw... Oh, wait till we get to predictions. I got a whole thing. Yeah. Okay. On Raw... The losers of the women's and tag team divisions put everyone else on notice that they plan to stop being losers. As the Riot Squad, known losers, told everybody in the women's division, we're here and we're going to turn shit up. And Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, who lost last week, also said, hey, we're done losing. We're going to destroy everybody. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll expand upon that because I looked over on SmackDown and all the women who didn't qualify for Money in the Bank were doing the same thing to the women who did qualify for Money in the Bank. So yeah. that Here's story the, seemed pervasive this week. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're all losers. You all have done nothing but lose since you've come here. The Riot Squad is a fucking hey. failure of a, of a stable. It worked Durf out Zogler. for the B-team. Yeah. Derv Zogler and fucking Drew McIntyre lost to fucking the B-team. In a match they should not have lost to. It was a battle royal. Well, even so, you're still fucking losers. You don't. Who's who's got I, the title shot and who doesn't? I I I'm gonna disagree with you here on this one because I I think you got to start the build somewhere, and at least they, these people are on TV, which is more than we can say for Authors of Pain. It's more than we can say for Sanity. It's more than we can say for Andrade Cien Almas. It's more than we can say for a lot of the NXT call-ups. It's more than we can say for a lot of people of tremendous talent on this roster. Um, so I'll take it. I think we've got something here with Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Yes, having them lose in that battle royal to the B team was was a definite bump in the road for creative and probably shouldn't have happened, but it did. But I don't think it was like a, 
you know, defining thing for that team. I don't think it means that that team can never rebound from that. I think there's a lot there with those two. Uh, I'm actually thinking they're they're going to end up ultimately being the team that takes the titles off the deleters, but we'll see. Um, as for the Riot Squad, this was one of the first weeks I sort of liked their presentation as a group, so I, I'm okay with what they did this week, personally. Yeah, but again, it's one of those cases where um, this team has jobbed out to everybody on the fucking Raw roster so far. So, But so <clears throat> Daniel Bryan, when he first fucking showed up, it didn't hurt him. Jo- John Cena was a fucking jobber to start, basically. I mean, that that's sort of the path to, to greatness in WWE. Is you start out typically sort of losing matches. Yeah, but um, but they weren't built as being a dominant force. The Riot Squad was built as being like the fucking female shield. Well, and... the Riot Squad was built as being a group of fucking NXT girls who just caught the same bus and decided to fucking attack people together. I mean, they debuted in a backstage segment beating up Naomi and Becky Lynch. It wasn't like there was a tremendous fucking intro for these girls. So I guess there's still hope for the revival. Uh, in NXT, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, you know, to the the other big thing with uh, with Raw, we had fatal four way matches to try try to build momentum for uh, the Money in the Bank matches. Which, of course, if you do the math, you realize that, that some of the people of the Money in the Bank matches were not in these fatal four way matches. Um, but the biggest uh, uh, biggest things that we had, of course, was uh, pants. Yep, uh, Kevin Owens frog splashing Braun Strowman, uh, which was a, a really Really nice touch. Um, and then the women, of course, we had, um, you know, everybody's favorite, Hur Natalia, pick up the win, and she will most likely win the money in the bank. So, doing great in the women's division. Well, we'll get to predictions later, but, uh, yeah, I, I actually thought these, these four ways were some of the better matches we've seen on Raw of late. Uh, I thought they made sense. They had some purpose to them. Like, I, I really didn't have a problem with these four ways. I thought they were well executed. They, were they, you know, five star classics? No, absolutely not. But they weren't bad, and they served a purpose, and they fit the storyline, and they were sort of what you get on a go home show like this. So I was fine with it. Sorry, I think he means seven star. <laughs> Is that what he finally did? He finally give a rating to that match? Yeah, it was seven okay. stars. Okay, because 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 fuck Tuna Meltzer. <laughs> We'll talk about that. There's, there's another fucking blowhard. That guy <laughs> will fuck himself too. <laughs> well, why don't we roll that into that uh, the topic that relates to it? All right. Well, let's get through the rest of this bullshit first. Um, Rusev has pinned Brian and Joe leading into Money in the Bank and cut an incredibly face promo with no accent, that. really. With no accent too. Yes. So is WWE finally ready to embrace a face Rusev? I think they're embracing a face, Rusev and Lana, because if you look at it, Lana also not using her um, accent and very much acting face-like in that segment with the other three SmackDown women. So She, she also uh, has stopped berating Aiden English, too. Yeah. So it seems like they like they thought at first we were going to break this up and have you know Lana be you know the catalyst for that, and now they're like, well, you know what? We're, we just took a look at those numbers for the yeah. most recent WWE shop sales, and maybe we got something here. I, I'm Even sure the B-team shirt is right up at the top, right? I'm sure it is. <laughs> but again, yeah. So I guarantee you nothing on there sold as much this week as the Golden Elite shirt, but just saying. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That that's a nice looking shirt too, by the way. It is. That's yeah. because that's because other companies and other people know know how to design t-shirts. That's because the and, young bucks are fucking creative. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm not. We'll I, we'll get into it later. <laughs> All right. Um, we had two two really good matches on SmackDown as well as Daniel Bryan and Shelton Benjamin squared off. Yeah. Um, this was kind of a of a little bit of a dream match. So Shelton left right before Daniel came in. And then obviously, you know, Shelton came back during Daniel Bryan, you know, being being not able to wrestle. So both of them being healthy and, and here was finding an opportunity to see two really fucking good in-ring workers face off against each other. Um, and they had a really good match, yep. which, of course, ended with the LaBelle lock uh, and Shelton tapping out. But again, it was a, it was any time that they put really talented guys against Daniel Bryan. They're able to shine, and you're able to see what they can do. Because remember, remember that time that Daniel Bryan faced off against Seth Rollins when he was kind of like the the weakest member of the Shield, mm. and everyone was like, "Holy shit, that's right, this guy can wrestle." <laughs> you know, it's, and then it's sometimes fun. he faces Big Cass. True, true, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can only, I mean, you can only do so much. I mean, fucking AJ Styles isn't going to be able to get a five star match on a fucking great Kali. So you work with what you get, you can do. But when you've got you've got really talented guys who actually have the ability if to you put in the another, Tokyo Dome, you might. I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, so we had uh, and yet another opportunity to to witness really good workers working together. Um, you know, oftentimes Shelton is kind of paired with lesser workers because he's been relegated to the tag team division, um, and so this was finally an opportunity for him to face somebody who has his ability, and he shined. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've seen this before. I mean, I, I will never. One of one of the moments in the history of Raw that I will never forget is that Shawn Michaels Shelton Benjamin match with that spot where <sighs> Shelton does the springboard Gosh. right into the super kick. Like mm-hmm. we have seen this from Shelton Benjamin before. Most of us are aware of what this guy could be given the right push. The mm-hmm. problem was they followed up that match with the Shelton Benjamin's mama angle, and you know. Yeah, well, and the the thing that I always remember with Shelton was the time that he put the the ladder up on the side of the other ladder, ran the length of the ladder, and clotheslined a motherfucker off the top of the ladder. So the guy, we we know what this guy can do. Um, he still has it, you know. They just haven't really given him a platform to do it. Obviously, you know, him and uh, Ready Welling and Gable really didn't uh, didn't click as much as we had hoped for, and obviously they didn't get a chance to actually win the tag, the, the tag titles, but. Um, Shelton as a singles guy, if they do decide to kind of push him and maybe make him uh, a you know U.S. champion somewhere along the way, I think that'd be a great position for him. I'd, obviously, I don't see him as a world champion contender anytime soon, but you know, I mean, that was kind of the thing with him before too. Was he seemed like he was primed to be a world title contender? Then it was Shelton Benjamin Obama. So. Um, but then the other match we had was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura against Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy working injured right now, as we found out. Um, but another good, uh, another decent match. But obviously, you know, it was one of those cases of they didn't have as much time to work it, and there was really no no build for it. You really need to learn how to spell his name. No, I don't, because um, <laughs> no, um, then I'd actually give a fuck. Yeah. It's an I, by the way. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so, so yeah, so what do you think of Nakamura versus uh, Jeff Hardy? I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, again, I thought this is another match of, you know, Build is the first time ever, and, and it's another one similar to the, the 
um, Daniel Bryan and uh, Shelton Benjamin match that I wouldn't mind seeing as a program. I think these guys had really good chemistry in there. Uh, if Nakamura wins the heavyweight title, I wouldn't mind seeing this as a program down the road for that. Uh, or if he doesn't, I wouldn't mind seeing a program where he goes after the U.S. title with Jeff Hardy. I think these two have some really good chemistry in the ring together. Uh, obviously, the ending was what you would expect from a go-home show. You don't want to pin the U.S. champ. You don't want the guy fighting for the title to lose either. So I thought they got out of it as best they could while still selling the angle for the pay-per-view. So I was perfectly happy with this. I thought it was great. Well, all right. Uh, and SmackDown put the women front and center um, by having, obviously, Carmella and Asuka be the focal point here. So um, is this something that we see kind of going forward here as as the case, um, or was this just kind of a thing to build up to, um, you know, the, the money in the bank? And, uh, you know, what what's the future of the women on SmackDown, in your opinion? Uh, SmackDown's been sort of the, the show that has been front and center with the women for for quite a while. They they seem to have been much more willing to utilize their females, and you need to look no further than their GM is is a female. Um, but this was you know every time I see the iconics, I sort of wonder why we're not doing more with these girls. Um, but I thought that in NXT too. So I, I don't know what the, the problem is, the, where the disconnect exists, um, but I, I see it every time. Uh, Mandy, need I say more? It's fucking Mandy. Um, but she continues to improve every single time I see her. Um, God, uh, Sonya Deville is... I, I would not be shocked if Sonya Deville is a, heavy, is a woman's champion at some point. I, I see that raw potential there. Um, she's got charisma... She's got a fire to her. Uh, she she plays the character that I think Ronda Rousey should be playing, but doesn't for some reason because she's too busy smiling and waving and shaking hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of all of those women. Uh, you know, they closed, they made event to the show, so you got to say that. Um, but I'm never a big fan of ten person tags. It's just, it's a clusterfuck. There's no real point to it. It is what it is. Uh, but this, at least, again, similar to the match that, I, the, what I said on, on Raw with the Fatal Four Ways, it served a purpose on a go-home show. Mm-hmm. It made sense as a as a match for a go-home to a pay-per-view. Uh, and then the moment, of course, at the end with Asuka standing there over the... Uh, obviously, Carmella botched sort of the, the finishing sequence in that match, but they recovered nicely. Um, but the moment with Asuka standing there and all the four women around her sort of realizing, I thought it was really well done. There you go. In for, So for the first time in 19 fucking years, Chris Jericho has won a championship outside of WWE as he is the brand new IWGP Intercontinental Champion after defeating Naito. Not to mention the fact the Young Bucks became the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, and Kenny Omega is finally the IWGP Champion. We had a, a huge event for, for New Japan, and they decided to go fucking big, and the Bullet Club was the name of the game as they won fucking title after title in this one. Yeah, Dominion was the event that was last Saturday. Um, and as per usual... See, and this is the thing. 
New Japan can put on a five-hour pay-per-view, and at no point during that five hours do you ever feel bored or are you ever wondering, is this going to end soon? Uh, and WWE could take a lesson from that. But uh, nonstop action, great stuff. Legit shocker that Jericho went over. I don't think many people expected that. Um, he once again continues to show the ability to sort of reinvent himself, sort of added some face paint and changed his look up a little bit for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the match was, was tremendous. Uh, obviously overshadowed by the main event, which we'll talk about, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but hats off to Chris Jericho because it was one of the better matches I've seen him have in recent memory. Uh, uh, it was probably on par, maybe slightly below his match with Omega, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, Young Bucks, again, writing's been on the wall for a while for this one. They've been doing sort of a story about them moving up from the junior heavyweights to the heavyweights. So you had to sort of kind of see this thing coming. Uh, but again, I'm not the biggest fan of their wrestling style, but there is absolutely zero denying that they are probably the smartest marketers in the wrestling business in terms of themselves from their t-shirt designs to their being the elite to getting into hot topic to mm. any and everything you can talk about with the young bucks they've done right uh and they deserve all the success they're having which brings me to kenny kenneth f omega that match if you haven't seen it go back and watch it that is what the when we talk about the art form of professional wrestling that was it on display that way they wrestled for over an hour mm-hmm. a two out of three falls match mm-hmm. which called back to each of their previous three matches there were spots that were callbacks to spots and moments in each of their three previous matches um, there were false finishes there was tremendous storytelling. They managed to go through it while protecting Omega's, uh, not Omega, Okada's Rainmaker, because Omega, Omega never kicked out of the Rainmaker. He never hit it in the match. Um, Omega won two straight falls. I thought, and while I'm not their biggest fan, I thought the call on this match by Kenny Omega and Don Callis, not Kenny Omega, Don Callis and Kevin Kelly was outstanding. Um, this had everything you would want if you were to design the ultimate pro wrestling match this had it all including the the great moment at the end with the bucks coming out and sort of reuniting rekindling their friendship with omega the underdog story of omega finally overcoming to 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 beat the unbeatable and end the streak i mean it was it was live action rocky that's what it was and it was beautiful and it was amazing and it I have a hard time not calling this the match of the year, and I know there are a lot of people who will side with um, Gargano and Almas, and, and I'd have a hard time arguing that too. But watching this, this felt different than everything else I've seen this year. There you go. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bridge this one into the next one because uh, looking at the Dominion match card here, um, this was a a non-Japanese heavy card. Uh, only one match featured, or well, only one match did not feature somebody not born in Japan. That was the first ma- match where Suzuki Gun defeated Rapongi 3K. 
Uh, everything else, you had uh, Juice Robinson and Dave Finley beat uh, beat Chaos. You had Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki beat Chaos, the other members of them. <laughs> you had Mike. Uh, something we didn't talk about was Michael Elgin winning the the Openweight oh, Championship fuck as Michael well. Michael Elgin, too. Um, be that as it may. Obviously, the the Young Bucks t- um, defeating Los Ingernobles. <laughs> it was uh, uh, Evil and Sonata. Yep. Uh, the Bullet Club taking out Tanahasi, Liger, and Rey Mysterio, which I I thought was a great fucking team to begin with. They actually looked like a team just by yeah. their normal ring gear. Yeah. Um, I believe that had, was what Cody, not, uh, Cody, Marty, Hangman Page and, and Hangman yep. Page, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Obviously, Jericho defeating Naito and Omega beating o- Okada. Only one match saw a Japanese person going over an uh, over a white person. They're all white, but you know, a non-Japanese person as Ta- Takahashi beat Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. So, very heavy North American uh, flair here, as obviously Omega and uh, Jericho are Canadian. The Young Bucks are American. Marty uh, Elgin is American. Um, and then obviously Juice Robinson as well, and Zack Saber Jr. is English. Uh, for those yeah, of you who so. don't know, Juice Robinson is the former CJ Parker down in NXT. Yeah, and Dave Finley obviously is Fit Finley's son. Right. Um, so, technically German, but American. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this kind of brings us into our, our big topic here. Um, New Japan has now started to make North Americans a big part of their of their company, does that signal them having a plan to challenge the WWE in North America? I think you'd have to say it's not just that. That's not the only signal. Um, but last year they ran their first show here, and this year they followed it up by running a, uh, another huge show uh, in Long Beach, and they're running a second show this year in just a couple weeks in, I want to say, the Cow Palace, in Cal- is it California, Sacramento? I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, but they're running out there, uh, and they're headlining that event with Kenny Omega's first defense of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Cody Rhodes. That's right, not a not a New Japan you know, mm-hmm. stalwart, not a not a Japanese superstar, but another American uh, or Gaijin, as they would say over there. Um, but. Yeah, I think you got to say this is again. I think they they're smart enough to realize this isn't going to happen overnight, but I think they're definitely making inroads now. And I said last year after the first Long Beach show that yeah you know, they needed to get a bigger presence over here. Coming over once a year was not going to do it if they wanted to do it. But but they've introduced a legend that American fans know in Chris Jericho. Uh, they've put their title on one of the hottest names on the indies right now in Kenny Omega. Uh, they've made a focal point out of the Young Bucks, who are hot as a pistol in the United States with wrestling fans. Um, and they've now, they're now running multiple events within months of each other on, on the borders, within the borders of the United States. So it's hard to sit here and say that they're not at least beginning the process of making that push to challenge. And I will say this, if they can increase their production, their presentation, and they can become more consistent with their with their offerings here, and they can clean up their um, streaming service because New Japan World is sort of a mess if you're an English customer to try to use it. Um, I, I I think they could. I think they could compete. There are a lot of things they need to do before they get there, but I think we're definitely on the precipice of them starting to really push for that. 
Yeah, very much so. Um, obviously, an American TV deal will go a long way on that. Well, um, they have every, one, but they need one on cable where it's it's more accessible than access TV. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they the, need a weekly show which will push storylines and, and drive mm-hmm. people to New Japan World to watch these events. Because if you watch the access show, it's often just the matches that people have already seen the results for off their big shows in New Japan. They don't run the sort of same schedule WWE does. They run a few major shows a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I could I could see it. Obviously, you know, WWE has started to push back a little bit now. Obviously, branching into the UK area there, uh, but also potentially doing you know more events outside of America as well, which is something that they've only really done. You know, they do one or two tours a year outside of the US, and they seem to be kind of ramping that up now. So, yeah, uh, obviously, they are also feeling the sting a little bit there. And but you know, we're we're in a world now where the, these it's much more accessible to have other options on wrestling. But to my point as to uh, they need to increase their production and all that, if they do that, yes, I think they could because here's the thing. Their in-ring product right now is superior. Mm-hmm. It's a better present in-ring product in terms of what they present. You're never going to turn on a New Japan show and see eight motherfuckers sitting on top of ladders for no fucking reason to cut promos on each other. Yeah, he's not gonna see that shit because it's hokey, it's campy. They recognize that, and the thing that helps them is if you go back to right before the Attitude Era, and, and I think uh, Adam actually referenced this on this week's edition of Nitro Mania, which if you haven't listened to, go back and check it out. It's quite entertaining. Um, but I think he made reference to this. The NWO at this point in his timeline has debuted. They're just starting to ramp things up, and he read through the Raw card, and at that time, Vince clearly didn't give a shit. He wasn't changing anything. He was doing the same campy, hokey shit where you've got, you know, T.L. Hopper and, and the campy doink characters and, and and not taking it and presenting it as a serious sporting event. And I look at Raw this week and I talked about the latter things and you've got the same old fucking trope with the, with the guitar shit that we've seen a million times with Elias. And by the way, I love the fucking hip-hop artist John Mayer. Thank you very much, Jonathan Coachman. Um but you don't get that shit with New Japan. And maybe, much like WCW, it's going to take that sort of push from New Japan uh, of presenting an alternative and, and showing them what the fans really want these days, the in-ring competition and the, and the, the presentation of it as a legit sport. And I think that's much more what the fans of today want and the WWE, as they did with the Attitude Era, is taking too long to figure it out. And someone else is jumping in the space and giving people that, that product that they want. And Ring of Honor announced this week they're planning on running Madison Square Garden next year. So there's a lot of shit going down with these companies who are vying to challenge the WWE. And those companies are all have the single, single thread in common that they're all offering the alternative type of product to what the WWE does. There you go. Um, we're going to end off this segment with a 10-bell salute. to Somebody Constable. Di- somebody die? Uh, no. Uh, Constable Corbin finally decided he died? to cut his hair. Nope. Oh. Uh, the gimmick of the receding hairline is done. So oh. here is your 10-bell salute. That's enough. All right, so <laughs> moving right along. At least you remembered it. Somebody else on this show would have forgotten. Um, <laughs> the uh, 
Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand. Like, here's the thing with that. If you're going to do that, why wouldn't you work that shit into a match? If he's going to shave his head, why not work it into a thing where you can make something out of it and do a hair versus hair match or something? I think after Raven got his scalp turned into Swiss cheese by a really bad fucking shave job, the hair versus hair match kind of gone out of fashion. Yeah, you could still um, do it. I mean, Kurt Angle did it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But you know what? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they. They're I just think it was a wasted it. opportunity, that's all. Oh, yeah, I think so as well. Um, but, of course, actually, <laughs> um, his his whole reasoning behind it was that now the people on the Internet didn't have anything to make fun of him for anymore. Wrong. You still Take have that really on. messed up to fuck the tummy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Still got the worst belly button in the business. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, so he finally realized that he was going bald and decided to do something about it. All right, it is time for the predictions. And we start things off with NXT TakeOver Chicago presented by Fox CMP. <laughs> the first match that I have here, I, I, you can leave it. That's fine. That's funny. Uh, no, I first, said you should go. I was telling you to do that one first because then we can oh. get into the serious shit. Okay. The, uh, the first match that we have here, the NXT North America. Oh, wait, no, never mind. We're not defending that title at all. <laughs> But it's Baby. the first takeover since they introduced it. What do you? They... No, no, sorry. Uh, much more important things to do. But like it's now. Adam Cole. Baby. Well, sadly, Adam Cole has nothing to do here today. So Adam Cole will be defending that title at a, I think it's a Beyond Wrestling show against Walter in, mm-hmm. in Melrose, Massachusetts, coming up. So yep, I saw that. That's you know. something that's happening. <laughs> you know, that's the prestige of the North American title. Mm-hmm. Not to knock Beyond Wrestling, because they're a great promotion, uh, and I know a lot of the guys that work there, and they're they're all top-notch over there, but this, yeah. this title's so prestigious that it's not on TakeOver, and you're sending it out to indie shows to defend it? Yeah, I didn't I didn't get it either, because like they he, he hasn't done anything, really. He, he won the championship, and he's just been kind of hanging around the rest of the Undisputed Era. Well, so. he defended it on NXT once, I think. Yeah. <sighs> I guess to me, I thought that he was him and uh, Pete Dunne were going to yeah. have a match. Because, I, I thought they were going that way too, especially you know. giving the tag team title match. It, it definitely seems strange. And we know NXT has sort of pigeonholed themselves into that five match card for takeovers. Right. But you've sort of extended the brand. The last takeover, I think, was close to three hours. So you've extended the time on the shows too. You might as well just put the title on the fucking line. And and maybe it's partially just bias on my part because I really want to see an Adam Cole versus fucking uh, yeah. uh, Pete Dunne. Uh, yes, Pete Dunne match. So yeah, that would be good too. Uh, but anyways, we're gonna get into the actual card here as the NXT Tag Team Championships are on the line as the Undisputed Era defend against Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. The Undisputed Era, of course, being Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Yeah, Oni Lorcant. Um, love Biff. Great guy. Uh, just lost his dad happy to stop happy (laughs) to see him get this opportunity in a major you know event for the wwe uh but let's be honest there there's zero chance they're taking those titles off of undisputed era yeah i'd have to agree with you there um undisputed era is just too hot right now um and yeah obviously do you have your answers written on your hand or uh no i'm trying to block from catching other sound oh, that okay. doesn't need to be see be heard. Um, so yeah, so I agree with you on that one. Undisputed Era is, is winning this one, and Roderick Strong may actually be able to be considered a, a champion at this point. So, oh, he's good for he's him. Half of the champions, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't win it. 
he was in the match that they won the championship, and they, he wasn't they're the free one burning was, it. Yeah, but he wasn't a part of the fucking team at the time that doesn't they won. Matter. Doesn't matter. I know. I, I know it doesn't matter. I just technically, well, actually, technically, he was. He turned on Pete Dunne and helped them retain the titles. So I, wow. I mean, technically not when he won the titles, but when they retained it, yeah. Oh, I, I, I know he's a champion. I just don't recognize him as a champion because he didn't actually do anything to win it. Um, this is in no particular order, of course. The NXT Championship is on the line as Alistair Black defends against Lars fucking Sullivan. Um, and this the, may be in no particular order, but to me this is probably the third least interesting match on the show. <laughs> Takeovers are always great, but there are two matches at the top of this card, and then there's everything else. This is not this is not which, one of the top matches on the show. Kind of a shame because it's been kind of the story of Alistair Black's title reign. Yeah, you know where he he's been outshadowed. He, yeah, yeah, he continues to put on great matches. Mm-hmm. He's just not doing a very good job. Well, of being I mean, up. in his defense, this is his first takeover defense, and they couldn't find a better opponent for him to work than Lars Sullivan. I mean, that's true. But who do you think is going to win this one? Uh, Alistair Black. That's what I figured you're going to say, uh, which is why I already had it down there. <laughs> Unless uh, yeah. Lars Sullivan wins, in which case I think Lars Sullivan's going to win. Don't nope. <laughs> By by fucking Hulk Hogan's beautiful pussy, you need to end that fucking gimmick right now. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that. Alistair Black isn't losing anytime soon. He's especially not losing it to Lars fucking Sullivan. Uh, in a match that might be a little bit of a toss-up on who's actually gonna win it, we have a Chicago street fight that will most likely take place in the ring. Johnny Gargano takes on Tommaso Ciampa, which is very very different than the unsanctioned match that they had. At the last takeover. Yep. Where they fought all over the floor because there were no countouts and no disqualifications. It's very different rules in this Chicago street fight for that. Uh, apparently the story being that this was actually originally plotted to be a last man standing match. And then they decided to put that stipulation on Nakamura and Styles, mm-hmm. And didn't want to have two matches with the same stipulation the same weekend. So. Yeah, which is kind of dumb. Just fucking yeah. do it. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit here. I think this is going to be a series of matches, so I think in order to keep that going, Tommaso has to win one here. Uh, and my prediction is we're going to carry this through to the takeover at SummerSlam at Barclays, which they've always sort of said is their WrestleMania uh, takeover, Brooklyn. And I think at that point we're going to see something historic, like maybe even Gargano, Ciampa, Hell in a Cell, something like that. Um, Whoops. I would not be shocked, given the way they've sort of been telling the story here, if this ends with um, Candace turning on Johnny. See, I actually think that uh, um, eventually this is going to be the way that we have Gargano and Ciampa become a take team again, but a heel take team. Um, but I'm going to actually agree with you on this, that Ciampa's going to win this one, because otherwise the feud has got to be dead at that point. Um, yeah, and I don't think they're going back to a team because I think Tommaso is ultimately the guy that maybe the the next guy to take the belt off Alistair Black. That eh, could be, could be. Um, we have a uh, a really really well anticipated match. This is going to be it's going to be hard to decide who's going to have a better match here, Gargano and Champa, or this one. Uh, Ricochet takes on Velveteen Dream. Well, this is the one I'm looking most forward to the entire weekend, hands down, yeah. not even close. 
Um, I've seen glimpses and peaks. They've been sort of teasing these these matches at house shows and in tag team spots, and I've seen just a little bit of a hint of some of the spots they're working on. And when they put all that shit together in one match with these two, these are two of the biggest young stars this company has. They're going to go head-to-head. Uh, the story's been great. The build has been great. Uh, the moments that they've built for this have been outstanding. Uh, and I think it's the moment for the Velveteen Dream to get that first major win that he hasn't had yet. Well, goddamn. Apparently we're picking the same fucking people left and right here because I was going to pick Velveteen Dream. I thought, thought that it was going to be, you know... Uh, yes, you know, Ricochet, his first, it's his first singles match on pay-per-view, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, but I think he's a guy that can lose and it doesn't hurt him at all, so. Absolutely. He's got so much flippy shit that everyone will forget it the next time he's out there. He'll just wow them and yeah. won't even remember that he lost. Yeah, plus Velatine has had uh, an issue winning on right. TakeOver, so right. yeah, I believe, uh, even if it is by shenanigans, uh, I think that it would be, it, it, it's going to be him. So that leaves us with our final match, which will definitely will not be the final match of the show. The NXT Women's Championship as Shayna Baszler takes on Nikki Cross. Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it, Shayna! Do it! Oh, yeah, uh, yeah Shayna's going to win this. Do it! This is another. This is another no doubter. This is Shayna, hundred percent. Okay. Well, I'm actually going Nikki Cross. So. Okay. So we finally disagree. So our, our entire prediction battle for Takeover is going to come down to Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, leading on to the the show that will most likely disappoint, Money in the Bank. Uh, one of uh, one of my more favorite pay per views around. Um, Usually the, this year, yeah. Well, you know, it's still a ladder match, and, and there's still going to be some cool fucking things. But we're going to start things off with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match as Ember Moon takes on her elders: Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, <laughs> Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. I, I, to me, this one is easy. This has to be Lana. Okay. Is that it? Does, does anything else need to be said? No, apparently not. No, uh, I'm just kidding. It's going to be Natalia. Yeah, you know, sadly, that's what it's looking like. I'm I'm hoping that somebody comes to their senses back there and realizes that nobody fucking wants to see that. I thought you were a big fan. No, no, not really. Um, I'm pretty sure you said you wanted to see Natalia win, win the Money in the Bank a couple weeks ago. I don't believe that was something that occurred. You were pretty drunk that week. It's possible you forgot. That is true. That is very possible. Um, I am actually going to say, oh gosh, this is fucking hard. Um, because you always have to think about it after the fact. Now we know Charlotte's not going to win it because she is uh, taking some time off um, to get her titties fixed. Um, hopefully more than just replacing one implant, maybe straightening things out a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Obviously, you know, Naomi is one of those people that they every once in a while will give a fucking win to, but nobody gives a shit. Ember Moon is, I think, a, an interesting possibility here. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Sasha Banks. And I'll probably lose, but that's okay, because that's what happens. Um, so then that leads us into the men's Money in the Bank as Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Big E. Take things they haven't on. officially said Big E yet, though, right? It's still a no, member of the New Day. 
is still a member of the of the New Day. See, um, I've now come around. I don't think it's going to be Big E. I've changed my opinion on this. Okay. Um, because if you look at it, you've got Braun Strowman, Rusev, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe. So you've got all big guys. And you add Big E, now you've got five of the eight are big guys. I think if you throw in an unexpected Xavier Woods, you can get some more of those high spots that you weren't anticipating. You get a little bit of the shock value. So I, I, my guess is it's going to end up being Woods, but we'll see. Um, as far as who wins the match, so I've got Natalia winning the women's one for the Raw side. Uh, so I think uh, it's going to be a SmackDown person, which makes it a little harder because I think SmackDown has multiple people that could win in the form of The Miz, um, Samoa Joe, or even Rusev would make some sense, but if Rusev's turning face, I don't think they go that route. Um, it's much better on a heel, which leaves me to, which leaves me with uh, Samoa Joe or The Miz, and I can make very, very strong cases for either one of those guys carrying it. And personally, if I was booking it, I would go with Samoa Joe, but I have to sit here and think about who I think they feel more comfortable potentially putting that championship on, and for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going with The Miz. Okay, so uh, last week we kind of talked about how people are booked heading into Money in the Bank and how they're booked heading out of Money in the Bank. Uh, since Samoa Joe uh, turned his head into a mohawk, he's lost every one of his matches. So I'm actually going with Samoa Joe winning it as their way of kind of breaking him down to build him back up again. Uh, obviously, I think that it's it's really between those two dudes. Obviously, they can throw a fucking wrench in everybody, and they could have Braun Strowman or uh, Baby Lotion Baylor mm-hmm. uh, get it. But, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to go with Samoa Joe on this one. Yeah, and Samoa Joe is definitely my pick if The Miz doesn't win. There you go. Um, the last man standing match for the WWE Championship, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And for me... The only way that this ends is Shinsuke Nakamura taking that title. Uh, I agree. And for those who don't know, AJ's sort of been pulled off the upcoming house show tour as well. So that seems to indicate that the championship is, is going to flip here. Uh, I think there's just more you can do with Shinsuke, and you can even lead into sort of a major uh, a rematch and sort of continue this program going into SummerSlam with AJ. But he has to take the belt off to be able to do that. And not to mention, you know, SmackDown is a place that's a little face-heavy at times. Um, so having having Shinsuke at the top and having different challengers like AJ Styles, um, you know, like the New Day, if they decide to start doing that that route, and and Daniel Bryan obviously is another option there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot more that you can do than with AJ Styles because you know I I don't really see Styles versus Miz long term. Um, I don't really see kind of you know Styles and Samoa Joe obviously would be really good. Um, but yeah, I think that there's more options for a heel champion than there is for a face champion right now. Yeah, and I think to tie into what I said earlier, I can absolutely see a scenario where we go to a Shinsuke Nakamura program with Daniel Bryan. Bryan gets the title back, only to have the Miz cash in on him, and then we're off and running. Yep, there you go. All right, the Raw Women's Championship is on the line as Nia Jax takes on Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Um. I think, okay, I, I have to throw out two possibilities here. Don't. I have to. Because they're both sort of the same, but in different ways. So, to me, either Ronda wins the title and immediately gets cashed in on by Natalia, or Natalia pulls a Seth Rollins, 
waits till they're both down, comes out, cashes in, and puts a triple threat and takes the title. Some way, somehow, I think Natalia's leaving with the title this night. Okay. Um, I guess if I have to predict this match, I'll say Ronda wins. Natty comes out to celebrate, hits her with the briefcase, and then cashes in. Okay. But I like to book creatively, so who knows? Yeah, which is something WWE doesn't do. Um, <clears throat> some reports came out that Ronda Rousey was looking to maybe have a baby thrown into her vagina. So um, that there's. I'm not sure that's how it works. I mean, you got two yeah. kids. I think you would know more of them than. That's true. Uh, Rhonda's looking to have some dude go bareback and jizz all inside of her. Um, so yeah. So to me, that's that that says that this might be not a, some a, dude, Travis Brown. Yeah, that this might be a shorter run for her, and throwing the title on her for a run through the summer here might be just just the uh, the thing that gets her baby maker working. So I'm gonna go with Ronda Rousey taking the championship off of that fucking. Hack Nia Jax. See, I think, I think, like I said, I think Natalia Cash is in, so you don't have to have Ronda with the pressure of touring the country, defending the title a week, every week, and being on TV, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> a uh, raw champion having to tour the company <laughs> and run through. That's but, funny. But you can, uh, you can still build to a major program for SummerSlam with Natalia and Ronda, where there's, where's legit heat, legit story, so it makes sense to me right there to do that. There you go. Uh, and you also call a cash in. I do not call a cash in. So um, the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line as Carmella takes on Asuka. I'm going to say we see the return of James Ellsworth here. There are a few reports that he may come back, and he's going to maybe cause a DQ. Uh, and oh, somehow. Well, if he causes a DQ, then that would make your winner Asuka. Yeah. I don't think Asuka needs another loss, but I think Carmella can still hold her head high as a chicken shit heel, keeping the belt against Asuka. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going with um, the better option, and that is the Iconics returning to uh, to help Carmella take out Asuka um, and retain the championship. But either could happen. I can see. I know that that's been the big talk, but we've heard that before. So. Well, the promoter uh, for the show he was supposed to be on says he's backed out of the show since... Since he posted on, no, I'll be in fucking whatever yeah. other country. So, right. Um, the next match: Roman Reigns takes on transgender Mahal in a match that people will be in the restroom for. Uh, who do you have uh, winning this match? Uh, it's Roman, and it better be <laughs> fucking four minutes and done. Like this is not yeah. this is not a match that needs. This should probably open the show. This should probably be on the kickoff show. And for those of you who have been clamoring for Roman to be bumped down to the mid-card, congratulations, because they just fucking did it on you. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, I'm also going Roman Reigns because, you know, fuck transgender. Over the last year, Jinder Mahal is the reason we can't have nice things. Have you noticed this? Yeah, that's very true. He's ruined literally everything he's been involved in. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right. The SmackDown Tag Team Championships are on the line as the Bludgeon Brothers take on the club. I think this is the kickoff show, right? Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, the Bludgeon Brothers are going to win. They've put the they've put clearly put the rocket on them. Uh, it's nice to see them give uh, Blue Gallows and Carly Anderson callback uh, <laughs> the rub on that one, but I don't think it's any more than the number one contender spot and one and done. Oh, just wait. I might have to read the transcript on this one from Sal because it <laughs> is it is interesting. 
All right. Yep. I think uh, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't transcribe into any hard ends this time, does it? No. Nope. No n words. So I think we're good on that. Just the tag uh, just, team in Bruce City Wrestling. That's true. <laughs> All right. Um, yep. I, I choose the Super Smash Brothers over the club as well. Although it is kind of funny that a club and a bludgeon is going against each other, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> Bobby Lashley and his sisters take on Sami Zayn in a match that people will also be most likely in the concession stand getting popcorn for. So this this segues into a little something, but we spent a lot of time on this show in the past shitting on Impact Creative. And you look at this, Bobby Lashley. Uh, Bobby Lashley booked much better in Impact. Matt, a, ha- Matt Hardy booked much better in Impact. EC3 booked much better in Impact. AJ, AJ Styles? Styles often booked much better in Impact. Often, yeah. He also had an angle where he was sleeping with some chicks. So, so would it shock you if Vince put him in one of those type of angles here? No, but he has resisted so far. Yeah, so far, but it wouldn't shock me. I'm not. I'm not ready to gag on Impact. Eric Young kind of thing. booked better on Impact. Well, he was actually booked on Impact, right? Bobby uh, Roode booked better on Impact. Yeah. I mean, uh, up again. and down the list, the, the the creative and impact that we've crapped on for so long, seemingly... Now, their matches, their finishes, their storylines, that's a different sort of thing. But as far as getting the talent over and writing their personas, I maybe we, we were a little unfair to the impact creative. I'm just saying. Uh, oh, no, and, I, th- I think we were completely fair because we also shit on WWE booking, too, so... Um, oh sure, we, but I mean, we, from not, a character development standpoint, you look at Rosemary's another great example. You think they could do in WWE what they've done with her in TNA or Impact? No, I also, but I also think you're talking about an independent promotion against a, a worldwide promotion. So you don't think that if they if they had the idea and the visibility, they couldn't do a Rosemary character even better? They've tried and they failed. How? When have they tried? They tried with that fucking vampire chick on ECW. Shelly Martinez? <laughs> you're fucking shitting me now. Okay, I know you're fucking with me now. Uh, no, um, you know, Nikki Cross is, is sort of that's similar to that. But sort that's of NXT. similar, but yeah. But it's but it's NXT, and I don't think that's going to translate up to the main roster. Right, exactly, because they won't write her the same way up there. Right, but that's what I'm saying, though, is that you're acting like we, we never shit on WWE Creative. We always shit on WWE Creative. Oh, I shit on WWE Creative <laughs> all the time. I'm just talking about from a standpoint of, of we we shit on Impact Creative for for how they write things, but they've been writing things better than WWE for a while. Is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, but but this is also a company that you can ask who's the champion, and every every answer is is fucking Austin Aries. So <laughs> that's not true. He is not the Knockouts champion right now. <laughs> not yet. Sue Young debuted a month ago, so she's put the, she's got the title now. Yeah, you want to talk about that. Bobby Roode lost his fucking championship to a former WWE guy, too. So, you know, M- Impact did not exactly book all of their guys that strong. Hey, I'm just saying, Rich Swan's just about to show up. I'm not sure how fast he's going to get the X Division title. He's now, there. I will say that this fucking company has Brian Cage wrestling as an X Division guy rather than as a fucking super heavyweight monster. But, you know, whatever. Remember when the X Division was supposed to be like the Cruiserweight Division? And then they were just like, oh, fuck it, Samoa Joe's in it. <laughs> but I think that was what made it's the X Division get over was that it wasn't they had that great tagline, it's not about weight limits, it's about no limits. And and I thought that was when they were at their best is when they were doing that. But that's again another different discussion. Uh as far as this match, Bobby Lashley's fucking winning. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, because fuck Sami Zayn. The Intercontinental Championship is on the line as Seth Rollins takes on Elias. And I, for one, still do not believe that Elias is winning this championship. So this to me is probably the hardest match on the show to predict um, because I can 100% say that it seems unlikely that you take that title off Seth Rollins at this point, but Elias would be so fucking good with that belt. The character is so over, but the bell has to ring at some point. So... I'm gonna go with Elias. I think this is. I think Seth. They can make money with Seth as a as a chaser, and I think it allows them to move Seth up to the Universal Title at some point as well. So I, I think, yeah, I'm gonna What's go with that? Elias here. What yeah. what cha- what championship? The the longest reigning championship in in modern history. Oh, that's right. That exists. Okay. Um, Daniel Bryan takes on Big Cass yet again, and I, for one, think Big Cass is going to go over in this one. Now, does Daniel Bryan have to take the, the the you are not big enough to ride this ride thing that Cass had on SmackDown before to verify he can compete in the match? Or maybe, maybe that's how Big, big Cass wins it. Um, no, I think Cass, I actually give you credit. I think Cass is going to win this as well. Um, I guess is maybe Miz gets involved somehow, but I think Cass can't really afford to lose another match if they want people to take him seriously. Now, do you think that the Miz will cash in on Daniel Bryan? I'm not sure that's a thing. <laughs> I wasn't sure. All right. Sal wants to talk to us. What's up, Rundown? It's Sal. I'm calling this week just to quickly give you some predictions for some of the main matches on Money in the Bank. I don't have the card in front of me. I'm not going to give you all of the matches. Uh, Thanks for the show, prep, Sal. I reserve the right to pick. Uh, the matches I don't pick, I reserve the right to pick them after they have. But anyway. Still in my gimmick, asshole. I mentioned that in my prediction this week... I will say that Samoa Joe wins the men's money in the bank and Alexa Bliss wins the women's money in the bank. Also, I think Shinsuke Nakamura wins the WWE Championship. I think they're going to throw everything they had thought of out the window and they're going to give Asuka the women's championship. Uh, Nia Jax is going to retain her championship, albeit shenanigans, and probably a short match. And um, also, I think Seth Rollins will retain against Elias. That's all I can remember off the top of my head. You guys have a good show, and I'll see you guys next week. So listening to Sal go against most of my picks makes me even more confident that I'm going to win this thing. Well, there you go. All right, I guess I'll throw his stupid ass on here. All right, so he is picking Samoa Joe, Alexa Alex Bliss, Bliss, Elias. Yes, Elias. Uh, Bobby Lashley sisters. Bobby Lashley. And did he say something else? Oh, Shinsuke Nakamura. 
and that Nia Jax fight. Yeah, in, in the Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal match, he picked uh, Tyson Kidd. I'm not sure what that was about, but... Okay. Tyson Kidd. <laughs> okay. Got it. Right. What's going on in local news? Well, you can celebrate the fifth birthday of Lucky Pro Wrestling when they return with Star Clash 5 on Saturday, June 23rd at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Tickets for this event, just $15 each, or get a four-pack for $50, which, if you're not good at math, is a $10 savings. Doors open at 6.45 p.m. Live wrestling starts at 7.30. Already announced for this show, a street fight for the LPW Heavyweight Championship as Retro Anthony Green defends the title for the first time against the man he stole it from, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo, along with Jillian Lee. Scotty Slade and Mikey Webb will be handcuffed to the LPW President Jim Burgoyne at ringside. The LPW Hard Knocks Championship will be decided as Brickmass Stone has had to relinquish that title it will be decided between Randy Sean and D.L. Hurst, with the winner becoming the new champion. The LPW Tag Team title will be on the line in a four-corners match as the Horsemen, Mikey Webb and Scotty Slade, defend their titles against the Bitter Club, uh, Anthony Stone and, and yeah, Ryan Kellen Thomas, and the Heat of Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova. Chillian Lee in ladies action as she takes on Alicia Edwards of Impact Wrestling. The heavy hitter Shea Cash takes on the professional Channing Thomas. Sweatboy Christopher James with Danica takes on Perry Von Vicious. Tickets are on sale at the one-stop shop in Clinton, Massachusetts and at LuckyProWrestling.com. Once again, that is Star Clash 5, June 23rd in Clinton, Massachusetts. What happened to that, uh, what happened to that piece of shit brick mask on? Well, Brick's a great dude. I, <laughs> he suffered an injury, and he's going to be unable to defend the title, that's all. Okay. All right. The stars of Bruce Lee Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Friday, June 29th. Bell time is 7.30. Doors up at 6.45. Tickets are $20 reserved ringside or $16 advance purchased via PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com or $18 at the door. Stay at the Elks Lodge for the after party. Tickets go on sale or are on sale now. They still have an update to that. Already signed, the Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship will be on the line at a triple threat match, match as Tokyo Monster Kahagas with Kevin Sullivan takes on High Octane Onyx Andretti and Max Holiday. The Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship will be on the line as Lena Deora takes on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azor. And more Fandemonium matches announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com. Go to Instagram at Bruce City Wrestling. Follow them on Twitter at BCW1 and like them on Facebook, Bruce City Wrestling 1. ICW returns on July 8th at, to the La Pica Lounge, otherwise known as the ICW Arena. Keep the first name. VIP doors will be open at 2.30 p.m. Doors for non-VIP will be 3.30 p.m. with a 4 p.m. bell time. We open our doors in appreciation for the great ICW fans. VIP ticket holders will be able to interact with the ICW wrestlers like no ever before. Ringside VIP strap is $25 with a limit of just 16 tickets, which includes early entry, strap, and being a lumberjack who can strap the wrestlers in the match. Meet and greet plus a pizza queue and A. Get picks with a roster plus an exclusive VIP early match. Ringside VIP is $20. Includes early entry, meet and greet plus a pizza queue and A. Also get picks with a roster plus an exclusive VIP early match. Second row is $15. You get all that shit as well. Ringside and second row for non-VIP is $15. 
The main event will see a lumberjack strap match uh, uh, with the, as well as a boards of death match. I'll just threw that one in there. As the hated one, Kato takes on dysfunction. Obviously, also the VIPs will be able to whip the shit out of these two guys at ringside. Ice pick Vic Capri will challenge whoever is ICW world champion for the championship. The feud rages on as the Fable One Aesop Mitchell continues to take on the Midwest legend Derek St. Holmes. High class violence, Pitstain, that's a new name, and Rock King take on Bear Kingdom Juan Hernandez and Oso Turco. Straight Hatred, Zach McGuire, and Jack Blackwell with Miss Hatred will be in action as well. The Marman with Dana Adivo have an intergender open challenge. Jacob Hasselhoff will also take on Hot Topic Tyler Bagans, plus two to four more matches will, will be signed, as well as that VIP exclusive match. And that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, June 14th, 2018. It has been five days since CM Punk got his ass kicked. You dick. <laughs> Uh, follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail like Sal did at 617-863-6967 at 61Rundown7. We are now on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling to become a patron. The most recent patron episode is Fuck What's NXT. Listen to our friends at Kingpin oh, Brian Malone. I still have to listen to that. <laughs> our friends the Kingpin so Brian Malone. And Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to Facebook.com, shows DWPAN or TheWPAN.com. Check out our friend Justin Michaels on his show Yes Then Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com to stream it live. If you're a fan of horror, the Slasher Sanitarium has been resurrected from the dead. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of our other shows. NXT Revisited, the Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and the Nitromania Podcast. You can follow our the hosts of the Rundown on Twitter at jstewart0920 at rockstar troy at the spelzer erect at maniacal taz and at johnny analog thanks all of you for listening thanks my co-host jason thanks troy it's been real and thanks again for that lovely theme song next week we bring you money in the bank review I guess that means we'll see you next Thursday for Money in the Spank Bank. Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast is a proud member of the Beefcase Podcast Network (laughs) and was given to us after Adam Selzer found it on the side of the road dead. And it was produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by me, Troy Bolson, and Jason Stewart. We're also a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other podcasts and shows at questionnetwork.com if that still exists. And tune in next I week. I listen to those shows. They don't. They don't tell us that we're part. Of, they, they don't think we're part of that network anymore. Tune in next week for an all new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Bye. <laughs>